0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at MyPromiseChurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. God on a Wednesday night. Let's praise the Lord together one more time. Can we do that? Lord, we've just come to praise you. We've come to thank you. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. I'm glad to be with you tonight. Glad to be with you. If I can invite the ushers to come tonight, I'm going to open the Bible up with you in just a second. You can be seated. I see half folks sitting down the other half standing up. where are we at? Okay, we're in good shape. I want to just, before you guys go through, I want to just remind everybody, we are in our Kingdom Builders Offering Month, and um, I'm excited about what God is doing. Um, if you don't know, uh, you can grab one of these. If you don't know, if you haven't been with us the last couple of Sundays, um, we are doing our Kingdom Builders Offering for the year. Uh, we're opening this up really to just um, kind of be a... a kind of all-catching um, offering term where we we give to missions, we give to our our church's vision, we give to our next generation. Uh, you heard me talk about that. We talk a lot about the promise of God around here, and um, I love that verse in Acts 2, chapter, 3, uh, chapter 2, verse 39. Peter says, the promise is for you, it's for your children, and it's to all that are far off. And so, um, and so when we give, that's why we give. So, if, hey, why do we give? Because this promise is for everybody. Scripture said that, hey, we freely, we receive, so freely we give. And um, we're excited here because we are going to partner with this missionary, Barrientos, in Guatemala uh, to build a church. Um, I've said it a couple times, but this man um, is really gifted. God has gifted him really with kind of an uh, an apostle gifting that he's he's raising up new uh, preachers and, and new churches, and he has a system where he's able to build a church um, for $10,000. Not only build a church, but build a living quarters for the pastor's family, which I think is really awesome, and so for ten thousand dollars, we're going to be able to build a church in Guatemala that also is a living quarters for the pastor and his family. And there's going to be a church in that community. Uh, if you saw the video that they sent us, there's a lot of cars and and sounds like motorcycles in the background. So I'm just imagining it's kind of on the highway or the, the main thoroughfare of that city, and there's going to be a church there. And um, I loved also in the video, and we'll probably show it again on Sunday, but I know the audio was, wasn't... was um, I said I don't think they had an iPhone 13 or a boom mic. I don't know what they had, but I know the audio was a little a little uh, uh, hard to miss, make out. I've seen it several times. So, um, But one of the things that you may have missed just seeing it one time that I've caught watching it a few times is he said that originally they were meeting house to house. Uh, he said for like a year they were meeting house to house. And then he said for about a year they've been in this tent, and they have, you know, these these uh, metal poles and just a tent. You probably saw that in the video. Um, but they're breaking ground, and they're going to have a church there, and uh, we're going to make that happen. So I'm excited about that. Um, you know, a lot of times I put kind of a goal on this. I know when we did the parking lot, I had a goal of, I don't even know. It was a big number. It was a really big number for us back then, Uh, like 35,000 or something like that. Uh, We've done offerings to, you know, remodel the sanctuary. I think that was 20,000 or 25,000. I'm not putting a limit on this one. I'm going to just tell you that we can do a church for 10,000, and we'll be ready when he's ready to do another church or whatever the case is. We want to also be a blessing to our kids' church, but that's a much smaller thing than this. Um, and so, uh, give whatever God puts on your heart. Our offering date is going to be 10 days from today, not this Sunday, but the 14th. And, um, I'll give a total at the end of that service or as whatever we were able to get it together, kind of see where things are at. Uh, but that'll be the offering date. And I'm just excited about this effort, too, because I think there's going to be things we can do throughout the year rather than just focus in a one month. Um, and uh, you'll hear more about that later. Guys, move through the audience. I'm sorry. I'm doing too long on this offering again. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, God bless you as you give tonight. Um, I'm going to open the uh, Bible with a very... Um, familiar passage, and I think this passage, when we hear it, it can sound condescending, like it puts us in our place. Sometimes maybe we need to be put in our place, but I want to kind of flip this tonight and just kind of understand it from a new angle, and it's Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9. Uh, Carlins is going to put it on the screen. This is what God says to his people. He says, my thoughts are, higher, are not your thoughts. So I'm getting ahead of myself. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. So what you're thinking is not what God is thinking. You ever figured that out? I was thinking this, God was thinking that. And then he says, neither are your ways my ways. You were trying to do this, but I was doing that. Then verse 9, it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth. How much higher are the heavens than the earth? I don't even know. They keep finding new heavens. So I don't know where New Jerusalem is out there, but they just keep finding more. And he says, As high as the heavens are than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So just get it down in your spirit today that God's ways are higher than my ways. God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And I think that a lot of times when I hear that, I think, okay, that should cause me to shrink and shrivel and be put in my place. But I just want to remind you today that we're on His side. And when you realize you're on His side, all of a sudden, you have access to His ways. All of a sudden, you have access to His thoughts. All of a sudden, you have access to His resources. All of a sudden, you have access to His abilities. And so, I want to just tell you today that His thoughts are higher and His ways are higher, and that is good news. I, uh, I I don't know if you know about this, but it's this documentary uh, or the series, rather, and it's it's probably one of the most well done Christian um, kind of uh, screen plays uh, that have been done in a long time it's called the chosen anybody know about the chosen I think they're in the second season now I got a couple big yeses there must be some fans out there of the chosen and uh, and and it really is I, I think it's great um, and it's it's uh, it's one of the better well done things that kind of the Christian community has done to portray the gospel onto uh, the big screen in a long time and um, it, what's really neat about it is it was crowdsourced it was actually crowdsourced. If you don't know what crowdsourcing is, it's uh, it's an offering. That's what it that's what a crowdsourcing is, and uh, and and typically, if the project doesn't come to fruition, you get a refund on your offering. So just think of it that way. Uh, and so they they actually crowdsourced this from the Christian community, and a lot of people gave to it. And I thought that it was pretty neat. Um, I even saw a couple ads recently that they're, they're getting ready to ramp up again or whatever, and they're taking an offering to, to make it happen. I think it's kind of cool. But I've seen some clips of it. I'll be honest, I haven't watched it all the way through, but I've seen some clips of it. And, and a couple times I, I just I couldn't help but notice, you know, Jesus is teaching to the masses, and you look out and it's like 30 people in Bible clothes, and I'm thinking, it was really like 5,000 men and like their wives and their children. And, and you look and it's kind of like 30 people are, are kind of out in the audience. And, you know, it, 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 hey, it's fine. It's great. But what I'm trying to say is that even with the, what they raised was $20 million, even with $20 million, you can't tell how great Jesus was. That's what I really want to say. Even with a budget of $20 million and cameras and screenplays and actors and actresses and and special effects and all the lights and all the stuff, you actually can't replicate and portray how amazing Jesus really was. I don't care if you got $20 million, maybe you can buy a bunch of fish, but you can't multiply bread and fish. I I don't care if you have $20 million, you you can't open blind eyes, you can't unlock deaf ears, you can't run off leprosy, you can't do any of those things. And so when Jesus came on this planet, I'll tell you, it was life-changing. Because the God of heaven left the throne, came to earth, was born in a manger, dwelt among men, He taught with, he taught us, he ate with us, He died on the cross, he raised again, he was ascended into heaven. And C.S. Lewis said of Jesus, "The people that crucified Jesus, they never accused him of being boring. That's right I've, I've, I've had people tell me they say, "Hey, I just can't read the Bible. It's boring." And I say, "What part are you reading?" I'm Leviticus, it's begat this so-and-so, and and then wash your garments, and this and that. I'm like, hey, why don't you go over to, uh..." (laughs) I'm trying to think. (laughs) There's other interesting parts of the Bible, folks. Jesus was never accused of being boring. On the contrary, he was too controversial, too offensive, too dynamic, too not politically correct. Later generations have muffled his teaching, silenced his words, softened his miracles, explained away some of his words and miracles. In fact, C.S. Lewis said we declawed the lion of Judah and have made Jesus a household pet. Charles Spurgeon said, you don't have to defend the word of God. You just have to unleash it. You just have to preach it. You just have to let it go forth. We ought to understand tonight, God is not like us. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so why would we think we could improve on it? Why would I try to soften Jesus' words? Why would I try to explain away the miracle? I can't make it any better than it already was. I can't contain it. I can't soften it. I just need to present it. And I think here's often the problem. I love in Psalm 50, verse 21, the Lord comes to, uh, the Lord says, when you did these things, I kept silent. You thought I was exactly like you. God says, that's the problem. You thought I was like you. You thought I was on your level. You thought I thought the way you thought. You thought I did things the way you do things. You thought I had the same resources that are in your wallet. You thought I had access to the same... Wisdom that the earth has access to, or the same medicine that the earth has access. You thought the problem was you thought I was like you, and I think when we think God is like us, it takes all our faith away. Because I don't want to serve a God that I'm kind of like. I don't want to serve a God that sometimes He's right, sometimes I'm right, sometimes I apologize to Him, sometimes He apologizes to me, sometimes He says, you know, you were kind of a... I don't want to serve that God. Paul went to Mars Hill and said, you guys got all these statues up here. You got to dust those guys. They can't dust themselves off. You got to dust them off you got to shine them up and polish them. I don't want a God that I have to buff out or polish or dust. He's not underneath me. He's not beside me. But He is higher than me. He looked out among the earth and said, there's none like me. There's none beside me. There's none higher than me. I just thought about how... There's, a, there's an old book... It's uh, Dale Carnegie. It's How to uh, Win Friends and Influence People. One of the chapters in there is about making first impressions. What's hollow about making a good first impression is you've got to keep that up. You can, like, smile and really be in a good mood and, like, remember the person's name. How many have gone on a first date that just it was great? You've got to go on a second date. You've got to keep that up. Then you get married. you got to keep that up. Uh, I, I don't look that great to begin with, but I look worse at 6 a.m. when I wake up. My hair's a mess. My teeth need brushed. i got sleep in my eyes. Man can make a good first impression, but you got to follow that up with a second impression and a third impression. And man is unimpressive over time. But I'll tell you that God is the opposite. It said that deep calls unto deep. Meaning the more you search Him, the more you find Him the deeper you go, the deeper you realize He is. You get a little deeper, you realize He's deeper. You begin to search Him. You find out He's unsearchable. You begin to know Him a little more, you realize He's unknowable. He's bigger than I am. Greater than I can even figure out. He's higher than I can even figure out. His wisdom is beyond. His resource, He provided for me then. I believe He can provide more because He is more impressive over time. You can't search out all of his riches you can't find out all of his wisdom people get unimpressive over time Our first thing I want to say is that show it up there Carlins that he's more faithful than we are it said God is faithful in first Corinthians first and nine God is faithful he's called you into fellowship there's this consistent and dependable nature about God The one thing about God is that He does not change. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I might be on my game one day, but then I'm off my game this day, and then I'm somewhere in the middle, but the Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You'll never find God in a bad mood. You're never going to come to this house on a Sunday and, and lift up a prayer, and the Lord says... Come back next Sunday. I'm just having a bad day today. (laughs) You you, you ever call a friend and and they they don't answer? He answers. You'll never find God say, Yeah, you know what? I forgot about that. I'm sorry. Uh, I was busy today. He's faithful. He's consistent. He's never late. He never missed what he was aiming for man misses appointments man forgets about things man doesn't show up all the time man can't answer the phone all the time man can't be everywhere all the time or be everything to everybody but God said he'll never leave you never forsake you and that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother not to just one of us but to all of us he's the same yesterday today and forever but he's that way with all of his children. Now, I want to say that faithfulness and forgiveness are an important combination. We've all been forgiven, and I think we've all been forgiven of the same thing more than one time. We fail, and we come back, and we ask for forgiveness again. But Jesus is faithful. To forgive us. He's faithful and just. To forgive us our sins. Now I'll tell you that he's more faithful than we are. Because Peter thought that he would be kind of slick with the Lord. And said how many times do I have to forgive my brother. Of the same thing. And he says Lord should I forgive him seven times. Now I just have to think. If I'm in Peter's shoes, I really probably think I only need to forgive the guy twice. I only really need to forgive the guy 3 times. But since this is Jesus, who's full of grace and truth, then I'm going to bump the <laughs> I'm going to bump the margin up a little bit and just say, "Lord, should I forgive him 7 times?" And Peter's probably thinking the Lord's going to come back and say, "No, Peter, not 7 times. 2 or 3 is enough." maybe four if you really are good friends. But the Lord comes back and says, no, Peter, 70 times seven. Forgive him 490 times. And then mercy is new every morning. (laughs) So you forgive him 490 times today and when the sun rises tomorrow, there's a new batch of mercy. (laughs) so, So I think that, Peter was thinking, maybe the Lord is about as faithful as I am. And if I forgive a few times, maybe seven, maybe that's how many times God would forgive. And the Lord looked at Peter one time and said, Peter, before the morning comes, before the sun rises, before there's new mercy tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times. Peter says, no, Lord, I'll never do that. Peter's at the campfire, Jesus got arrested, he swung a sword, cut somebody's ear off. Who said the Bible was boring? He cut somebody's ear off, Jesus in handcuffs, picks the ear up, puts it back on the guy's head, goes to three trials, Peter's at the campfire saying, I never knew that guy. They said, yeah, we saw you with him. Then he uses language which would not be consistent with a disciple of Jesus. I'll leave that for another message. And they say, no, 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 even though you're swearing right now, I'm still pretty sure you were the guy that walked in the inner circle of Jesus. And he denies the Lord three times. Jesus is crucified. Word comes that he goes into the grave and then comes out of the grave. And they go to tell Peter and John, but Peter is still in a condition thinking that Jesus is probably about as faithful as I would be. And if somebody denied me, in my most trying moment, I would never want to see them again. And so Peter is not going to see the resurrected Jesus. But God is more faithful than man. Jesus comes looking for Peter. Jesus realizes they're in the boat right there. I'm going to just set up on the beach right here. And all of a sudden, they realize that's Jesus. And Peter realizes, you know what? He's more faithful than man is. I'm going to jump out of this boat and go find Jesus. He jumps into the water and swims to the beach and realizes that all is forgiven because God is not like us. He will forgive when man wouldn't forgive again. He is more faithful to forgive than we are. In fact, in 1 John 1 and 9, it said, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I think the the story about the prodigal son is so powerful because the son is actually testing the limits of even a father's love. When you hear that story, you kind of put yourself in those shoes and think. That's testing the limits of a father's love. Wishes he was dead, wants his inheritance now, leaves the family, runs away, lives a life inconsistent with the way he was raised. And you begin to think, how as a father would you even accept that boy back? But I'll tell you, he's more faithful than we are. And the picture was of Jesus coming to find Peter. The picture is of the father running off the porch to lock arms with the son. And I'll tell you that a lot of times when we get forgiven, it's not because we deserved it, it's not because we're consistent. It's not because we only mess up one time a day. It's based on His consistency. It's based on His faithfulness. It's based on His dependability. Because He is not like us. And that's what the psalm said. God said, I'm not like you. He didn't say, that's the fourth time. I can't forgive you anymore. We as people, we have a saying that says, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. That's not how God is. God is amazing. God's grace is full. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. And I just want to tell somebody today, even when you failed, God is faithful. Even when you fall short, God is there to pick you up. Be quick to run back to Him. Because our forgiveness is not based on our resume of serving Him, but it's based on His resume of being faithful, just, and good. God is faithful to forgive. How many say amen to that? Amen. Amen. I want to tell you, not only is He more faithful than we are, but He's more able than we are. It said, now to Him, in Ephesians 3, Now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that works within us. So, Here's what's amazing about that. God is able to do not equal to what you think he could do, but immeasurably more than that. So, so what's powerful about that, Ken, is that I might be able to think, hey, if God was like me, he could do this, but God's not like me. God's ways are higher than my ways. God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts. That's not just to put me in my place. That's to raise my faith and say he's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above I could ask or think. Yeah, I thought about how man gets boring because he's predictable. But you can't exhaust the boundaries of God. Man becomes predictable and exhausting. I, 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 used to look, I used to look down on people that did this, and now, by God's grace, I don't because I realize I do this now. I had a really good memory up until about 35. That was only, you know. <laughs> but I find myself not remembering if I told you this story or not. I used to look down on people that would tell me the same story. I'm thinking, bro, you told me that story last week. And now I catch myself thinking, I told this guy that story last week. And I'm in the middle of it. I go, did I tell you this? Yes, you did. I'm sorry. i let you off the hook. You don't have to hear the rest of it. You know, I feel bad for my wife sometimes. She's heard all of my stories. I'm not funny anymore. I'm not interesting anymore. I, that, she's heard them all. She's heard them get bigger over the years. and She knew the original story that wasn't as good as it is now. I have nothing left to impress her with. This is it. (laughs) Because once you've run out of material, it's kind of predictable. You know the punchline. You know how the story ends. But God is not like man. In fact, he's going to exceed what you believe he can do. Jesus said to the centurion, he said, I have not seen faith like this in the house of Israel. No, not in all of Israel. The reason is because the Roman centurion realized God is able to do more than I could even imagine or think he could do. And he comes to the Lord and the Lord is teaching. He's on the way to Jairus' house. The centurion stops him and he says, Hey, my servant is sick unto death and needs healed. And Jesus turns to him and says, Okay, do you need me to come to your house? Now, if Jesus was like a doctor, he would need to make a house call. If Jesus was like a pharmacist, he'd have to write a prescription, go to the CVS and bring over the medicine. But the centurion realized, you're not a doctor. You're not a pharmacist. You're not a scientist. He said, I understand authority. I'm a man of authority. He said, I have somebody above me, and I know I have to serve him. And I have people below me, and I know they have to serve me. He said, if I say the word, I know it will be done. Why? Because I understand authority. What he was saying is you have authority over the sickness. You have authority over the situation. And so you don't have to go to the house. Jesus thought, oh, I guess I got to go to the house. Somebody needs me to go. But Jeeb, G- <laughs> But when you realize Jesus don't even gotta to go to the house, Lord, don't even go to the house, I don't want to trouble you, don't even go to the house. Just say the word, and I know the sickness will be healed. God is not like man. Don't treat him like a doctor, don't treat him like a teacher, don't treat him like a politician. Believe that he can do above and beyond what you could even ask or think. And so Jesus says, well, if your faith is raised up to that level, all of a sudden my ability is going to meet you at the place of your faith. Go home and you'll find her well. God is more able than we are. Don't put God in a box. Don't think He's like us. I think it's time for us to pray big prayers. Crazy prayers. Prayers that don't make any sense in the human mind. It had to be crazy for that guy to say, No, no, no. Don't even come. Don't even touch her. Just say the word. But he raised his faith. Jesus met him at that place of faith. I want to tell you, thirdly, He is wiser than we are. He's more wise than we are. 1 Corinthians 1 and 20, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? I did, um, I do, I'll do a shout out to life groups real quick. I do a Friday night once a month um, pastor's Bible. We open the Bible, get down deep into it. Um, We did one recently on, 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 the, the word of God and, and just just how true it is and, and some of the authority of the word and all this kind of stuff is great. And um, one of the things that stuck with me from that lesson is how many times the world has said the Bible was wrong. And then later we realized the Bible was right and the world was wrong. You know, we, for a long time, we thought the world was flat. It says in Job that the world is a sphere and that it was hung on nothing we didn't understand gravity. We didn't understand that outer space had no gravity and it was just floating out there. But Job didn't say the world was flat. Some folks still believe the world is flat, I think. But the Bible says it's a sphere. So I believe it's a sphere. And there's a lot of times where the world will say that they're wiser than God, but in the end, if come find out God is wiser than man. So what does this mean? It means God doesn't need the internet. God doesn't need Wikipedia. God doesn't need Google. When you say, Lord, I'm going through something, He's not doing a Google search to get you out of that situation. He's not looking it up on Wikipedia real quick. There's never been a prayer that goes up and God says, Oh, I'd never thought of that. Let me get back to you. I never heard of that disease before. I've never heard of that problem before. I've never seen a family in that condition before. God doesn't say, let me get back to you on that. He already has the answer before you call on Him. I'll tell you, we might as well call on Him because He's already got the answer. You know, man gets wiser with age, or at least I hope that we do, but God is not like us. He does not attain knowledge. It's not like God is saying, okay, I kind of learned some things in the Old Testament. Hopefully I do a little better in the New Testament. God is not like that. He has always been wise. We were just singing, he's the only wise king. 1 Timothy 1 and 7, it says, Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. If God has the answer, music come, I better close. I'm going to land the plane at 8 tonight. I didn't do that last time. If God has the answer, we might as well call on Him. I want to tell you tonight that not only is He just wiser than you, but he's a lot wiser than you. His ways are a lot higher than your ways. The Bible said that as the heavens are higher than the earth, that's how much higher my thoughts are than your thoughts. How much higher is the heavens than the earth? Well, we got to get in a rocket just to get out of orbit. It's pretty high. So that's how much higher his ways are than my ways. That's how much higher his thoughts are than my thoughts. But I'll tell you, no matter what you're going through, he's got the answer for you. I, uh, I caught myself on the other side of town um, a couple months ago. It was actually, I had to pick up some printing for the This Is How I Fight My Battles revival we did. And I was picking up some printing on the south side of town. And I was down on Silver Star or something. And about that same time, I i don't know if uh, any of y'all can relate to this. I had bought one of my sons something from Walmart, but they didn't have it in the other son's size. And so I was I'm driving by this Walmart and I thought, well, let me check this one because, you know, uh, they didn't have it up in mine in Sanford. So I go and I pop in there. And it was kind of like a blast from the past. Do you guys remember when Walmarts were not super Walmarts, but they were just Walmarts? I got one. You all remember that? And I was reminded at how much bigger the Walmarts are today than they were when I was a kid. When I, and it was it was it even had that small kind of feel, like almost a grocery store. And, and they had other stuff. But as I was walking through there, I, I was thinking, man, this place is not the super Walmart that I'm used to in Sanford. And um, anyways, I, I started thinking about how revolutionary even that Walmart had to have been when it first came out. I don't know if, how far you all go back. I don't necessarily go back this far. But there was a day in our, in our world where if you wanted produce, you had to go to the produce guy. If you wanted meat, you had to go to the meat guy. I guess the, the milk guy came to you, right? Right. Uh, and then if you wanted clothes, you had to go to the clothing store. If you wanted to go to the mechanic, you had to go to the mechanic. If you wanted to go to the barber, you had to go to the barber shop. If you wanted to go to the bank, you had to go to the bank. Uh, if you wanted sporting goods, you had to go to the sporting goods store. If you wanted electronics, you had to go to the electronics store. Uh, if you wanted toys, you had to go to the toy store. But do you know that at least the Walmart by me in Sanford has got all of that it's got produce it's got meat they've i'm trying to go around the store in my head they've got pet supplies they've got electronics they've got sporting goods they got toys they got homewares they've got cooking stuff and bed sheets. They've got outdoor equipment and hardware stuff. The Walmart in Sanford has a mechanic, a tire store, a barber shop, I'm not kidding, a bank, an optometrist, a McDonald's, and a nail salon. So, you just go to Walmart and you're good. And what I want to tell you tonight is you just come to Jesus and you're good. I don't know what you need, but I tell you, He's wiser than this world. He's got more ability than this world. He's more faithful than anybody in this world. If you need hope today, you can find it in Jesus. If you need salvation tonight, you can find it in Jesus you need healing, if you need provision, if you need restoration, if you need forgiveness, if you need strength, I'll tell you, it's all found in Jesus. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. I just want to preach Jesus tonight and say everything that you need. Somebody ought to get it in their spirit tonight. Everything that you need is found in Jesus. Saying with me. I love that Paul was on Mars Hill and he looks up at all of their gods, and they had a god for every one of those things I just said. If they needed, if their if their corn wasn't growing, they had a god that would rain on their corn. If they, <laughs> I'm. Kind of like that. I'm maybe embellishing a little bit, but they had they had a a god for the crops, and they had a god for their cattle, and they had a god for their uh, fertility, and they had a god for uh, their health, and they had a god to forgive them, and they they had a god for the moon and the stars and everything else, and. Paul is beginning to preach there and he tries to build a bridge to him and he says I notice that you have one God up there that doesn't have a name you've called him the unknown God and he says let me tell you about the God you don't know there's a God you don't know he was in the grave for three days but he came out and he's the God that can do any and everything that you hope to wish that all these other gods could do And that sounds archaic or it sounds old to us, but I'll tell you that each one of us place our faith in other things than Jesus. We place our faith in this for our health, this for our finances, this for that, and this for our happiness, and this for that. And we're no different than them that placed faith in all these other gods to do all these other things. What if we pushed all that aside and said, my hope is in Him, my trust is in Him, my salvation is in Him, my life is in Him, My t- I, everything that I hope for is found in Him. I want us to just lift our hands all over the house tonight. Lord Jesus, we just place our trust in you tonight. God, I just believe there's somebody in this house that's trying to do it on their own. God, I just believe there's somebody in this house that's trying to solve that puzzle on their own. They're trying to medicate on their own. They're trying to figure it out on their own. They're trying to find pleasure and hope and joy and other things. And God, I just pray that you would center us in this house tonight to realize that you are everything that I could ever need. You are my hope, my joy, my provision, my forgiveness, and my salvation. And my hope is in you, and my salvation is in you. Everything that I need is in you. And I just place my trust in you tonight one more time because, Lord, you are everything that I need. In Jesus' name. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.